This is the Gum Guru with Dr. Macon Singletary from North Raleigh Periodontics. This is a show about keeping your teeth and gums healthy and how a healthy smile affects your overall health. Today's episode is called Three Ways to Treat Dental Anxiety. Why going to the dentist isn't as scary as you think. Welcome to the Gum Guru Podcast with Dr. Macon Singletary. I'm Jason Kong, and as you just heard, we are going to be talking about dental anxiety, the fear of going to the dentist, and why it really isn't as scary as a lot of us kind of make this out in our heads to be. And Dr. Singletary, thank you so much as always for being here. This wouldn't be much of a show without you. I mean, if it were just me talking about this, this would uh, not go very well. But this is a real thing, fear of the dentist. And you know, what's interesting to me is that I've got a professional here in the room with me who had a, a major fear of going to the dentist. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, it's a definitely a, it will affect people, you know, going to a healthcare provider, whether it's a physician or dentist or whatever. But, yeah, my first experience with uh, going to the dentist was eight years of age. A family friend, nicotine-stained fingers with a Coca-Cola sitting by the bracket table. And it was an interesting experience. And it's unfortunate, but at an early age, you can set up a, a pattern or a thought of that experience. That first experience, no matter what it is, is, is important. And they teach this in dental schools now how to handle young patients. So then when they become adults, they don't have that fear. But I'm, I see mostly adults. And so they've already got that pattern of fear, most of them, and rightfully so. Yeah, and that's got to be kind of challenging for you because look I've, I've been doing this show with you for several months now and you are I can tell you've got a great bedside manner as a professional and you're very comforting but it's it's hard to convey that to someone who's not in the room with you and those are the people who probably need to see you the most those who have avoided going to the dentist because of this fear so how do we overcome that how do we take that first step well uh, knowledge is one thing. It's important to surround yourself with people. You know, before an individual sees me, they'll call the office. And if you if you got Attila the Hunt or you know Groucho Marx on answering the phone, you know, and that's going to set up apprehension already. You want somebody on that phone that's you know got a smile on their face when they call you. But knowledge is important. And if I can get a person through the front door. I will explain to them what we're going to do before I do anything. And it's always good to ask if you're apprehensive to express that to your dentist, periodontist, or your healthcare provider. Generally, dentists get a bad rap because we inflict bodily harm. You know, we got that needle, and that's, that's a scary thought. And, and just usually, you're coming in, there's pain, you know, that may get you through the front door to begin with. Because if it doesn't hurt, what are you going to do? Just leave it alone. Um, ignorance is not bliss. So the first thing is you really, when you're not in pain, is to go in to see your provider, your dentist, and see what might be going on. You know, and they, he'll do an exam on you. And generally, when I do an exam, I explain before I do anything what I'm going to do. Um, and I try to make light of it. You know, I do talk about my experience. You know, when I was eight, the, the dentist comes in and takes out that little medieval torture device you check for decay with. They hadn't changed over 400 years. I, th um, I think they used it in the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and you know they check for decay and it might hurt and so before you do anything i'm going to do this and it might be uncomfortable i use a probe to evaluate the periodontal health around the teeth and i'm i'm, I'm going to be gentle and I, I tell patients i don't do this to see how far you jump out of the chair or you know, no claw marks on the ceiling you know <clears throat> raise your left hand if i'm uncomfortable and so I, I try to establish the fact that i'm listening to them and then i understand their fears to begin with because you know i'll ask them questions about their medical history and Almost the majority of the time, a patient will express, I don't want to be here. You know, I'm, I'm definitely afraid of dentists. You know, they'll express that right to the beginning. Those are the kind of people that I can you know, help overcome. It's the ones that are real quiet, that don't say, you know, I don't want to be here, or, do, you know, I have a fear of dentists. If, you, if there's a fear, express it to the provider and say, hey, you know, yeah, I don't want to be here. Or I'm afraid of pain. And, and, I, and I usually tell patients, I am too. I'm in the no pain, no gain group. I mean, the no pain, no pain group. <laughs> I had a, a, a gym teacher when I was in high school that I played basketball. And if we lost a game, we had to run rinse sprints for, it seemed like, for hours. And his, his motto was no pain, no gain. I'm going, okay, I'm not going to. That's, you know, no pain's no pain. So, you know, I try to. Tell the patient, you know, if you're uncomfortable, let me know, raise your left hand. And if you see me in the grocery store and raise your left hand, you're going to make me feel bad. But, <laughs> and, and that happens every once in a while. But, yeah, so knowledge. And then once a diagnosis is done, what's, what, what do we do? You know, and, you know, what's the game plan? And there are ways to make a patient comfortable when we have to do a procedure. And, you know, they're like, Four levels, so to speak. You know, the first level is topical, um, and that's a, 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 a cream that you place on, and it tastes sort of yucky. But you know, the worse it tastes, the better it works. You know, if it tastes good, it's not going to be as effective. But <laughs> so you put the topical on, numbs things up, and so um, that's the first level. And if you if we're doing some things that involve you know a, a, like deep scaling or a, you know, I'm doing a procedure extracting a tooth, you know, then, then we use an anesthetic, a local anesthetic. And, you know, showing a patient your equipment, that can create fear too. When I was eight, you know, and the guy hit the decay and said, oh, you have decay? And I said, yeah, that hurt. And he turns around and he's fumbling around in this ugly green cabinet with the portion trays and pulls out this thing you put in horses and said, do you want this? You, know, you don't show an eight-year-old the syringe. You know, I said, no, you're not going to put that in my mouth. That's for horses, quote, unquote. I, you know, I got out of the chair and ran. I got in the car, locked the door, and my mother comes out and knocking on it and said, what are you doing? I'm, just, I'm not going in there. It took three of them to hold me down. So, you know, you just you, you got to be aware of the provider needs to be aware of the presentation and have empathy. So if the pro- provider doesn't have empathy, empathy – yeah, get a second opinion because you, know, you want somebody that is not going to just do the procedure right off the bat. You know, and, you know, and if he if it's if he's doing it real quick, that's a problem. You know, you communicate, ask questions, get the information. You know, you have a local, you have a, um, at the topical local. You can you do nitrous oxide, which can uh, uh, nitrous oxide is great. Um, it's um, instantaneous. If you can breathe through your nose, um, it doesn't have any side effects. You can drive in, drive out. Um, 
I've never had any problem. I have a problem with nitrous oxide. Um, and you can do by mouth medication, you know, um, and then the last resort, if you're doing a, a major procedure that is going to take a long time, uh, you could do IV sedation, but generally by mouth and nitrous can handle it. IV sedation is, is fine. It's just, it ups the peripheral problems. Like you can't drive home afterwards. You can get phlebitis in the vein. Um, you know, Again, you know, you have to be very, you have to be accredited to do IV sedation. You know, it's an upper level of service provided for, for a patient, but the dentist or oral surgeon or periodontist that does it has to have special credentials to do it, and rightfully so. You're putting a per patient under so that they're, you know, we can do light sedation uh, if it's a major procedure. You know, that, the, that requires equipment that is monitored and, and, and you have to be real aware of what's going on. And, but you have to be creative. But there are ways of doing it. There certainly are. And there's a lot of options and there's varying degrees, as you just outlined, for those who maybe do have that fear and would like some options to help alleviate that a little bit. Dr. Singletary, can you talk a little bit about maybe one or two patients that come to your mind who, you know, showed up on that first day and you could tell that they were really fearful and then maybe they ex were able to uh, experience one of these options and their feelings afterward, maybe how they have changed? Yeah. The main thing is when a person comes in is, is talking to them. And as they communicate, I mean, we do, I do a psychological profile when a patient comes in mentally. I'm doing it. My staff knows what it is. It's an acronym, HIPPIE, H-I-P. E, hysterical, indifferent, philosophical, exacting. And it helps us understand that if a person comes in, they're really apprehensive, you know, um, we sort of step back. And we've had a couple of patients that are like that. Um, a couple recently knew an individual from Durham that I grew up with, and she knew me, and that helped, but also understanding that the first order of business is identify what your problem is. Honing on that one thing that the patient's interested in, taking care of, and everything else may look, okay, gosh, we got to handle this first. That helps the patient get your confidence, that you're listening to them. And so that individual, once I was able to do that, I mean, she had some medical issues as well, and we identify that and say, okay, we understand where you are with this. This is what we, how we address that. So knowledge, understanding the patient's need or desire, and their need may be different. It's a demand, you know, this is what I want. Um, and address that. And then once you do that, um, most of the time the patients are fine. I've only had one patient in my years of practice that I felt like I, the patient came in, and it was may have been a communication issue. She was uh, from uh, Nigeria, and her daughter came. We communicated. We did great. Everything was good. The patient seemed calm. And I came in to... Um, do the procedure, and it was going to be some extractions and some bone grafting, um, and put the topical on. It was fine, and again, vision is you know, a visual action. You know, looking at uh, a force or looking at the syringe can cause patients to freak out. And I usually come in low and just don't let them see it. But she saw the syringe and she just she just stopped and she mm -hmm. grabbed my hand and said no. And uh, I said, okay, I put it down. I was talking to her, and this individual just just would not let me do anything. And that person needs to be 
put under have ivy sedation. She it just it was it wasn't going to work. But the other patients that I've seen, even two or three recently, they yeah they did. Once I talked to them, got them under control, let them know what we're doing, understood their medical history and their need, met their need first, and you know, we're moving on doing complicated procedures, and she's fine. Yeah, and I have a lot of sympathy for those patients because. You know, she's in the office with you. She knows that this is something that needs to be taken care of, but there's just something that kind of goes off in your brain that says, oh, I, I can't do this. Yep. And and that's where knowing that the, the different levels and the different options uh, are that are available to you to help alleviate you of that anxiety or to help you get over that fear are available. Right. Communication is big. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, now that we know that there are, are ways to help alleviate that anxiety and that the dentist isn't as scary as we think, what are some action steps that we could take to help overcome this fear? Well, first of all, realize that if it hurts, it's like high blood pressure, high blood pressure and glaucoma. It's curtains. It's too late. Don't wait till it hurts. Go in and call the, an office and you ask friends who they go to. As a paradise, I will sometimes get second opinions, or it could be they will evaluate my webpage or Google search. But uh, knowing the provider to begin with, that helps. And when you call the office, the demeanor of the office. I mean, f- first of all, I really think that in healthcare, it's a travesty that when you call a healthcare provider, you get a machine, you get a, a recording. And you go through several prompts. And that, that's the way it is this day and age. But if you get a human being and they sound like they're a nice person, and you, that's, a, that's a check right there. And you, you, you know, your apprehension may be addressed when you walk in the front door and you'll look at the person and say, okay, then the next step is know the provider. Always, you know, if you have friends who've gone to dentists or paradise or oral surgeons, whatever, you know, ask, you know, do you know this person? You know, get, maybe find out from friends who they go to. Um, but, yeah, yeah, and then just identify within your own self, you know, why, you know, what makes me nervous and communicate that with the dentist. Those are, are wonderful, wonderful suggestions and steps that we can all take uh, to help build that trust level with our providers. So let's all make sure that we're taking those steps and that uh, if we are experiencing fear or maybe we've put off some visits, you know, let's let's take a step in the right direction and make sure that we can find someone that we do have trust in and realize that this isn't as scary as we may be making it out in our minds. Well, we are out of time for today. We hope you will join us again next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Gum Guru Podcast. Don't let dental anxiety keep you from getting the oral hygiene and dental care you need. Make your appointment today, no matter how long it's been since your last appointment. Check out Dr. Singletary's website at NorthRaleighPerio.com. If you have other questions you'd like answered on the Gum Guru podcast, send them to contact at NorthRaleighPerio.com.